Welcome farmers and agriculture enthusiasts to another enlightening episode of Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Umadu. Today we chat to Glendon Askoff, Research Director at Starkeys. His extensive background in agriculture and genetics makes him the perfect guide to unravel the mysteries behind seeds and their vital role in farming. We unpack the importance of seeds in agriculture, plus an explain on how genetics determine plant growth, yields and adaptability to the changing climate. Glendon Askoff, thank you so much for joining me on Farmers Inside Track. You are a research director at Stark Airs, and it really is a pleasure to be able to pick your brain today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi Dawn, thanks. Great to be here. Let's start, you know, just with a bit of background about you. Tell us more about what you do within agriculture, more of your day-to-day work with South African farmers on the ground. I grew up in KZN on a small holding, so grew up in the countryside and my mom and my grandparents had this enormous passion for gardening and vegetables. So I guess it's been in the blood for quite a few years. And I studied at UKZN, did an undergrad in genetics and a PhD in botany. And I worked for two years at Panar Seed up in Greytown and the last 12 years with Starkeers in Johannesburg. So involved with the R&D and their breeding programs and some of the lab activities. I guess day to day, I manage teams of scientists, the different research processes, the projects that happen, and with that, a whole lot of admin and travel as well. But for me, the real joy is discovering how plants work and helping us generate seeds that can feed people. In some ways, my role doesn't interface hugely with farmers on a day-to-day basis. R&D tends to be kind of back of house. But we do get to visit farms every now and then to see how our commercial varieties are performing. And I guess if I think of the broader company, uh, our sales teams, our product specialists, you know, they interact with farmers every single day. So I guess their passion to farmers grow great vegetables, hopefully using our seeds, but anyone's seeds actually. The discussion is really just around, you know, the importance of seeds and just aspects around the role of it within the agricultural space. And that's my next question would be, why are seeds important in agriculture? And if you could, you know, just like give us a bit of an explainer of the basics of seed genetics. Well, those are huge questions. Yes, seed is life, you know, from our point of view. These tiny little parcels that contain a fully embryonic plant, each seed has the full genetic capacity to grow into something that'll produce a harvest and something that we can eat. And so seed biology and seed genetics is quite a profound kind of topic and huge, you know, kind of worldwide. Some crops are clonally propagated, like potatoes, farmers are planting tubers, bananas, sugarcane, etc. But for the most part, our yes, our food systems are heavily reliant on seeds. And so seeds are life. In terms of seed genetics, every variety that is planted is genetically different from the next one. Just an example, every single tomato plant has 30,000 different genes, many of which are, I guess, kind of basic housekeeping genes for respiration, photosynthesis, growth, flowering, all of that stuff that plants do all day long. And many of the genes also give, I guess, improvements. They modify characteristics or they give them kind of novel traits. And so there's a basic set of 30,000 genes, but within that kind of set of genes, there are different forms of the same genes. So I think the best way for me to understand it is to say, you know, I've got brown eyes, the gene for eye color in my chromosomes is brown, 
but I've got two kids with blue eyes. And so it's the same gene, but a different form of the same gene. So even though there's 30,000 different genes in tomatoes, there are even more variation when it comes to different versions of the same genes. And so this allows seed companies and plant breeders to have huge numbers of combinations of genes so that we can select the right variety for a particular area or for a particular market segment. And essentially what we try to do as a breeding company is find those combinations of genes that help a plant be healthy and grow well and yield excellently within a certain environment. So genetics plays a huge role because depending on the genes and their forms that are present in any particular plant, that will determine how it grows, how it performs, how it yields, how resilient it is, etc., within a certain environment. And so we breed across different environments with broad genetic backgrounds to see which ones are going to perform where. I don't know if that answers the question in any way. No, definitely. As a child, you, you kind of wonder where does it come from initially and how is it actually produced? And I don't know if you can really like explain it from that aspect. If I had to say to my six-year-old son, this is where seeds come from. I don't know if that's a too simple of a question to answer. That's, that's what I wanted to ask next, basically. It's like when your kids ask, where do babies come from? You don't know what to have that kind of question. <laughs> and what age they're at. Seeds come from plants because plants want to propagate themselves. They want to continue their species kind of going forward. And I guess man has taken those and made selections over thousands of years so that we have these domesticated versions of wild plants that have the qualities we want, tasty tomatoes or high-yielding wheat or soybean, etc. And I think what I love about nature and creativity there's so many genes and we're able to select a tomato that grows well here in Johannesburg or in South America and it's all a tomato and all the genes are all kind of different. Get seeds in different ways. So tomatoes is really easy because they self-pollinate. You don't need any bees. You can grow a tomato plant by itself all alone without any insects and you can get tomato fruit. Contrast that with something like onion. It takes two years to produce onion seed, and you definitely do need bees, and you need the weather cooperating. So looking at different crops, some are really easy to produce seeds of, and others take a lot more effort, which is why sometimes seeds cost a whole lot more than what you'd buy, let's say, in a supermarket. What are the challenges that South African farmers face when it comes to accessing quality seeds and how can these challenges be addressed to enhance agricultural sustainability? And, you know, does it vary depending on what scale you produce at? I don't think the scale matters too much. I think, you know, in the last 30 years or so, there has been a huge increase in the number of seed companies that are trading in South Africa. So I guess in some respects, the, the farmers are actually spoiled, spoiled for choice. You know, there's loads of good varieties from many companies on the market. And you don't need to be a huge commercial farmer to be able to buy seeds from these companies. The country's come a long way with trading and, and having these international firms and local firms that are that are selling seed here. Always a concern when the market opens up like that, that some companies, you know, they might cut corners when it comes to quality. Now I'm thinking of seed germination or seed vigor, seed health, you know, are there pathogens like fungi, bacteria, viruses on the seed, the genetic purity. And I guess the best thing for any farmer to ask is to be welcome to request a test report from the company if there are concerns about a certain variety or a certain company. So feel free to request those quality kind of reports. 
Always good never to buy straight from the internet from unknown companies. I made this mistake trying to buy some sneakers online last year. I got scammed terribly. Pretty sure there are fake companies trying to sell seeds and that's not the best way to go about kind of farming. I think it's always good to develop a relationship with product specialist or sales representative for a company. You get to know them, you get to know the company, you develop a relationship and you can be more confident in your seed choices and in the quality that that you're buying. I think there's always more risk when you're planting a new variety for the first time. You know, how's it going to perform under my environmental conditions? Is it adapted to cool, moist summers like in KZN or does it need long, hot, dry ones like in the Western Cape? And so often the first few years when you're planting brand new varieties, you have to get to know them and how they perform in those conditions. And certainly as a company, Stock is we are often growing small plot trials of our newest material stuff that is about to be commercial or just gone commercial at as many farmers as we can so that we can understand how they perform in multiple environments. And so there really is just no substitute for multi-location, multi-year kind of trials. I think it's always good to be careful about planting your own harvested seed. If you're planting a hybrid and you harvest the seed from the hybrid, the nature of combining two different parent lines to make the hybrid means that the seed you harvest off it is going to be segregating. You're going to get all kinds of combinations of genes popping out. It won't look like the hybrid. It'll be up and down. The yield will be erratic, etc. And you can't easily see any diseases that might be lingering on the seed. So it is always a little risky to, to kind of harvest your seed, keep it back and plant it again. It's likely never to perform as the original kind of hybrid. Clendon, you've actually touched on my next question, you know, in a country with diverse climatic zones, how would you recommend South African farmers choose seeds that are well adapted to their specific region to optimize crop yields and quality? I still think the best way is really just to trial multiple varieties over several years. I think farming, just like any kind of science, is all about making good observations. So you test ideas, you refine them, you improve your theories, and there really is no better way than to grow a variety and see how it performs, knowing that even year to year in the same location, climate will shift and vary, I guess. So there's no way around it. The best thing to do, you might have heard about a new variety from a certain company. The best thing to do is just to plant a small plot of it with the rest of your trials, depending on kind of farmer you are, and see how it performs over a couple of years. I think having that relationship with the seed company is also really helpful. You can ask the product specialist or even the breeder, if the breeder is in the country, which varieties from your stable, as it were, are likely to perform well in my area. This is my environment. This is the province I'm in. What do you recommend as the best three to try out? So having that kind of insight and relationship and connection with the product specialist, they will know what the breeders are doing and where the trials are being grown and able to advise a whole lot better than, you know, like a shotgun approach. Things like day length has a huge impact on many things. In some of our crops, the shape of the fruit can change when we grow a variety in the Western Cape versus growing it in Limpopo. It looks like a different variety, but it's the same thing. And so environmental factors can contribute to how quick a variety grows, how quickly it flowers and matures, 
things like temperature, humidity, rainfall, disease pressure, even the fertilizer program, the top end commercial farmers, they tailoring a fertilizer program to individual varieties to maximize their kind of yield. So understanding all of those components is really the best way to, to take the risk out of growing vegetables these days. In many markets, and this is a, a worldwide trend, high value veg are increasingly grown in tunnels, you know, under protection, shade net, greenhouses, etc. Because the more factors you can control, the better your chance of having a predictable yield and predictable performance. So things like tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, more and more around the world are being grown under protection for that very reason. And then, of course, um, Glendon, another aspect of this is also climate change being a growing concern. You just mentioned more and more farmers are opting for growing specific crops and produce covered. People are moving towards innovation in terms of other technology. But how can South African farmers really adapt their seed choices and planting practices, as I just mentioned, to mitigate the effects of the changing climate patterns? Such a huge topic. Not always sure how to answer it, but absolutely there is a staggering amount of research happening in the space within the field crops and within the vegetable kind of arena. And climate change, I guess you can categorize it as other massive adverse weather events like flood, drought, wind. You can't choose a variety to survive a flood or a drought. You can't breed a variety that will survive a hurricane those weather events are far too extreme. So if we exclude those kinds of weather events, there are still greater fluctuations and greater uncertainty of temperature, water availability, soil quality, carbon dioxide levels, etc. And the nature of those characteristics make them difficult to breed for because so many genes are all interacting together with interconnected pathways. It is a much more challenging trait to breed for than, let's say, yield or disease resistance or early flowering, etc. But but good progress is being made nonetheless. And I guess you won't know how a variety performs until you have a climate change year. It's a lot hotter than normal with much, much less rain. You won't know until it happens. And I'm absolutely certain that if seed companies are making significant improvements, they would certainly be claiming this variety can withstand hostility. This variety can still have some yield under drought conditions. They're going to be claiming that because it'll be a differentiator in the market. And so I think for farmers seriously considering climate change and how that affects things, look out for those varieties or those companies that are claiming those kinds of characteristics. They're certainly not easy to breed with, we know. I think as a general strategy, it's wise to choose varieties that are quicker. They're growing duration is shorter, they flower earlier. And so what you do, you reduce the time in the ground uh, and therefore the risk of the unknown happening. If you can harvest a crop in 90 days versus 110 days, you save 20 days of potential weather uncertainty. The quality might not be as great or the yield might not be as high as a variety that grows over a longer period, but, but the risk of losing everything is kind of much reduced. I guess farmers do that in many cases. I think also diversifying with different crops planted can help. You know, some crops are particularly sensitive to water or high temperature. Other crops are more resilient. So if you have a balanced portfolio, not all your eggs in one monocrop basket, as it were, then that's another strategy to kind of mitigate the risk. 
and also really good for soil quality if you're rotating your crops in different kind of ways. So huge question, very active research, difficult to breed. There are some kind of strategies, I guess, but we won't know until it happens. That would be my kind of take home message there. Definitely, I think, Glendon, we're just scratching the surface of a bigger conversation that we can probably have over and over again. Thank you so much for your time and for giving us some insights and a bit to chew on, you know, to improve overall productivity and then just, you know, ensure that we are food secure in this country. So thank you so much for that. I'd just like to ask your final comments, um, any final message you'd like to share, and then also, you know, advice in terms of what would be the best way for farmers to reach out, to get more information, and also just generally to up their knowledge on this topic. Thanks. love working in agriculture. It's very rewarding, although there's so many things you can't control, like the weather, like the, the oil price or the fuel price, etc. But it's a hugely rewarding sector. We have a, a broad sales team that if anyone wants to get in touch to hear more about our commercial varieties, that's easy to put them into contact with our sales force. People are interested more on the R&D side of what goes on back of house, behind the scenes. Anyone in agriculture in the seed industry knows how important it is to have good quality produce and therefore good quality seed. And Starcare's mission to produce great varieties, but also great quality seed. Thanks, Glendon Askoff, Research Director at Starcare's, for some insights into the integrated world of seeds and the importance in agriculture. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, keep exploring, learning, and embracing the rich tapestry of agricultural practices that shape our world. From me, Dor Numdu, our technical producer, Megan van der Fent, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi, until next time, happy farming. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans, though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.